Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Is happiness a requirement for a better team? Absolutely. According to Leanne Rogers, it is essential. Today on the podcast, we speak with the founder of Better Teams, a company dedicated to maximizing employee engagement and improving team dynamics. Leanne has been recognized by leaders around the world for her ability to get tough and resistant teams to open up and participate actively. If you're looking for a resource to build your virtual team right now, you will love this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon, and on the East Coast, our amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. Ginny, how are you this morning? I am really well. Thanks, Mitch. That's great. And I understand we have our amazing guest star, also right there on the East Coast. Could you introduce her, please? Oh, yeah. I'm delighted to do that. Today, we have Leanne Rogers, and she is a team-building specialist, a coach, a certified facilitator, blogger, podcaster, and founder, and CEO of Better Teams and the Team Consultant Academy which is an online course that has been taken by coaches and facilitators around the globe. And she resides in St. Simon's Island in Georgia. That's right. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Jenny and Mitch. Wonderful. So let's start off with sort of get centered in where we are in the world today. What have you learned over the last couple of years, given, you know, this whole pandemic, virtual, hybrid kind of environment we're trying to navigate? Yeah, what have I learned? A lot, right? I think like just one of the main things overall, the themes for me has been how well we can do our meetings and our trainings virtually, how well we can do it, right? I think we all had to kind of step it up and figure out how to do that and still be really engaging. And what really has surprised me is some of the benefits of doing team meetings or team trainings virtually, and how in some ways they're actually better than in person. You know, there's, for example, why I say that is you can space them out, you know, instead of coming together for two days where you're just, you know, immersed for two days and kind of exhausted, you can space them out and actually have time to do some work or thinking in between and then come back with, you know, more forwarded thoughts, if you will, and also be a little less exhausted by that process. So that's probably overall one of the biggest takeaways for me. I was resistant going into COVID like, oh no, and now I'm a big fan of the virtual space. Oh, wow. That is wonderful. And I agree. It's also made us facilitators in helping the leaders of teams learn and pay attention a little more to what's happening in the team building. I find that's an advantage in doing it. Well, given that you're such an expert and going back to this idea of hybrid and virtual, 
What do you believe leaders need to do to create and maintain exciting and productive teams during these times? You know, two or three key things that you feel are hooks. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I think leaders are struggling right now, right? It's been so much change and chaos for not only their teams, but for them personally. And every leader I talk to, and I just get to meet so many different leaders around the world, literally, they're all kind of overwhelmed and tired. I think for me, if I were going to give just my three big tips to leaders, one would be check in a lot with your team. Check in a lot. You know, we get really busy in the work, doing the work. But how are people doing? Do they have what they need? Are they happy? Are they satisfied? Really looking for that, especially if you're virtual or hybrid and you may not run into each other a lot. I find often people say, you know, I don't feel like I get enough time with my leader. And I also don't want to bother my leader. I know how busy they are. And so there's a lack and a need there. Number two would be engage the team in a variety of ways. Every team is going to be different. So figuring out what each team wants and needs and checking in with them about that too, but look for different ways to engage them, both about the work itself and what other people are doing and learning about the work and collaboration. And also though, how do we engage and get to know each other personally, you know, mm-hmm. as much as teams want to, and some do more than others. But, you know, figuring out how do we build relationships, especially when we're not in the same physical space, it takes a lot of extra effort. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. it does. You have to figure out new and creative ways to do that. And it can be done. So what are some creative ways to build relationships? Because I do think the one that we talk about the most on the show is for these teams that have formed over the last two years, many individuals on the team have never met each other in person. Yeah. I was with the team just a week or two ago and they were in that situation. They all came in at hybrid and they were really coming just together for the first time physically together, which was kind of an interesting experience. So yeah, I think we have to figure out how do we engage and it depends on, you know, what I find a lot of teams are doing right now is like two days in the office, three days home or vice versa. I think if they can especially work to be sure that they're in the office on the same days, that helps a lot. And then while you're in the office, are you doing things that are collaborative? So making intentional meetings during the times when you're together and looking for spaces just to like have lunch together or have coffee together or connect to things that, you know, maybe we did a lot more when everyone was in the office all the time. What's harder, I think, is the teams that are fully remote because you may only be meeting about work tasks and even just like coming into a meeting, you lose all the chit chat and the getting to know you kind of thing. So looking for ways to engage. And even if it's just a 15 minute check-in with your coworkers or your colleagues, like about non-work things during the week, that can be an idea. Or having lunch and learns together. If it's a team that's like wants to connect around a topic where you're each sharing something you're doing or something that you've learned, but being very intentional to get together and not just always meet about the actual work that you're doing. Very good point. I've even seen some teams create mindful activities around who's interested in how are you keeping your children occupied, blah, 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 right? And so you are joining people that you work with on a totally non-work topic is just one. I had a person say to me, she almost had to give herself permission to say, oh, I can just pick up the phone and call that person in Africa. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. (laughs) Right. 
Because we don't want to bother people. I think we've had this huge thing, many people about, oh, everyone's so busy, I don't want to bother them. And kind of shifting the thinking to, it's not bothering, it's about building connections and relationships and figuring out how to do that. And that's a whole new mindset. And that's where you want to get the team together to talk about it. So we interrupted you. What was your third? I think the other really important thing to do is alignment aligning the team around their goals, their roles, and their methods. And typically, teams that I work with, they're always out of alignment around at least one of those, if not all of those. And even if they are in alignment, they're not going to stay in alignment very long because there's going to be a change. And so the constant need to align around those things and get clear really contributes to engagement, satisfaction, reduces conflict, and it takes effort. Again, it's one of those things where we have to stop sometimes and check in and make sure everyone really is clear and aligned around those things. I love what you said. At a point in time, the team agrees on these four things. If you don't check in on those four things, hey, two months later, it's moved. Absolutely. And so that now has to be always on the agenda. Let's go back to our four values or whatever they are. It's kind of like if you have a car and you get new tires and you drive off and it's running so smoothly. And then after six months of a lot of travel, the car tires get out of alignment. Oh God, do they? And you don't get this good gas mileage. The car rides. I need to do mine right now. Speaking of this, my car goes bump, bump, bump when I'm driving. I need to stop. I'm so busy. I'm like, I don't have time to go to the tire place. So I continue to drive with my car not driving as effectively. Instead, what I need to do, and this is a good reminder to me, block the time, go spend that time because I'm taking care of my car. I'll have a better experience. My tires will last longer. Teams are the same way. Because you bring it onto the list of making the time. You make it a formal part of the agenda. You don't say doing this podcast (laughs) is more important than my alignment of the cars, maybe in a certain point of time. I know that a lot of leaders will put the team stuff at the bottom. Yep. They don't see that that productivity is not going to happen that you think is so important with the work unless you're doing the teamwork. See it as an extra. You're right. You're, you're reminding me of the Eisenhower matrix and Covey had a popular version of this too, but the urgency and important matrix and most of our time in things that are both urgent and important. But we spend very little time in things that are important, but not urgent. And I would put things like aligning the team and team building and building relationships and training and coaching. All of those things are very important. And yet they're not urgent unless we're in crisis. And that's that's bad. And so we don't spend time in there. We just are firefighting all the time. Right. And right. So I love what your point is of making a point where you have meeting agendas and you have time blocked. It's like blocked time which makes these things urgent. So in light of team building, because I was with a client this week and this client used to have an incredible culture around his team. And then he says, you know, he's in real estate. So the real estate market until maybe today has just been booming, right? And would you say that team building is important and not urgent? And then how would you make that shift to actually focus on those things, which are, you know, building your team versus, you know, the flavor of the day. I was just wondering how you make that shift because I know that everyone in this room right now is a high team promoter, yet we see so many teams that just don't focus on supporting the development and growth of the team. It can be both. And so 
I got recently was called to work with a team who was the team was in the crisis mode. So they were in the urgent and important mode because they had people ready to leave. They weren't working effectively. It was really falling apart. So we had to go in and, you know, begin working with them and thinking about how do you rebuild trust and what do you need to align on and what do you need to do, which takes a whole lot more time than had they been doing that all along. So ideally, if we look preventatively, proactively, it's like if we continue to do team building, checking in, aligning as we go, learning to communicate with each other along the way, we won't get into a place where we're, our team is in crisis and we're losing people and or not working effectively or even you know dealing with fighting and all of that going on. So it can be either, but ideally we're proactive. So could you give us an example of, let's say, teams that you work with where the team is just, you know, just killing it? And and what do you do with that team such that they are, quote unquote, working on team development or, you know, team support, whatever you might call it? I'd love to know, because I think a lot of managers, leaders, they don't know what it really looks like. And so can you share with us, at least in your practice, what it actually looks like? Yeah. And I get to do that a lot, fortunately. So a lot of times people will say, hey, we're having our annual offsite and it's just kind of a great chance. And these are often leaders who value team building and recognize that it's important. And so depending on what they need, one thing I often do with them is do a team assessment because regardless of where you're at, whether you're performing well or not, it's a great way to get some information on how the team sees the team. And so in an assessment, they can then look at their report together and talk about, okay, where are we really strong? What are we doing well? Let's describe those behaviors and keep doing them. And then what do we see as our greatest opportunities to get better? And what do we want to work on? And I recently worked with a team that I would consider very high performing. Everybody on that team was a strong player. The leader was strong. They were meeting their goals. And yet, because they're strong and they're high achievers, you know, it's really easy for them to look at how do they even get better. And so they were able to identify some areas where they were a little out of a line, where they hadn't had a chance to, you know, they'd been so busy reacting in the last few years and they did it well. And they realized now is the time for us to kind of, okay, stop, realign, figure out who are we trying to serve and what are our roles and responsibilities and how do we get clear with our stakeholders as well so that next year it will be smoother for all of us. The opportunity side, almost. Yeah, yeah. I was, I right. was saying we're, you know, with the teams that we work with is, look, you're an A team. You guys are all A players. But what would A plus look like? And there's there always something to go to A plus. Yeah. And yeah. then stay at an A too, right? Because you don't stay at an A if you aren't working at it. At some point, the team will slip back if they don't, if they aren't intentional. The analogy, of course, is like with sports teams, just because you won the last game, you don't now just sit you know, there and twiddle your thumbs for a week. You know, the next day you're out practicing again. Love and, that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you like to do an assessment. So let's go right in to the particular one that you developed. How did you develop it? Why did you develop it? And in what ways do you see it being used the best? Yeah. So I find having an assessment is a great way for leaders and teams to quickly figure out what's going on with us. My experience is, they have so little time. And so we need to quickly help them figure out where do you start? Like, where do you need to improve or what are your opportunities? And so assessments are a great way to gather that information really quickly and then have something to react to. And there are some great assessments out there. I just wasn't able to find one that was comprehensive 
and affordable. And so many years ago, I just thought, you know, I've got a lot of experience in this and I started putting one together. And about five or six years ago, I launched the Better Teams Assessment. And it's powerful because it's very comprehensive and yet it's so simple and easy to understand. And it provides that opportunity for discussions around, again, strengths and then opportunities that lead into actions. Because we don't just want to discuss opportunities, right? We want to get teams into, okay, so what specifically are some strategies or actions you want to do to build this better team, to be the greatest team that you can be? Right. Let's look at some of those a little bit, and then I'll ask you, pull it all together kind of question with an example. So your particular inventory has five key components with 15 underlying characteristics, and they're obviously interconnected because that's the point of the team. What I personally liked about it is that it gives the whole team around these five major areas. It doesn't take each person and compile that, which a lot of the more other ones do. Anyway, the five main things are alignment, readiness, happiness, leadership, and trust. All right, wonderful areas in and of themselves. Talk a little bit about the happiness, because I don't usually see that on don't either. Yeah, on a, yeah. an inventory. So what kind of behaviors are we looking for there? If, if a team is not happy, how is it going off the rails, et cetera? Yes. Love that you love happiness. It's one of my favorite parts of the Better Teams model because it is so important, right? In bottom line, we can look at performance and that's critical. Like we need to be performing and meeting our goals. But if we are not performing and happy, we aren't going to retain people. So happiness cannot be, in my mind, underrated. It's just as important as performance. So happiness has three characteristics that we measure in the assessment. And one of them is connectedness. How connected does the team feel to each other and to the leader, right? Because if we don't feel connected, if we don't feel included, we're probably not going to be very happy. And that can look differently, again, what that means, but do we feel connected? The second one is, do we feel engaged? Do our team members feel engaged in the work? Do they have fun? Do they like what they do? Are they playing in their sweet spots? Are they getting a chance to, you know, do you get in the flow when you're working so that the day goes by pretty fast and you like it. And then the third area is, are the team members fulfilled? Do they feel like what they're doing matters and is making a difference? That seems to be another huge thing that's come out of the last few years for so many people is really assessing, is this really what I want to be doing? Does this matter at all? And when we feel like what we're doing matters and we see that we're making a difference in some way, it's a driver and a great sense of satisfaction. So all three of those are the measures by which we look at, is the team happy? So share with us a team that it came out, they were not happy. Yeah. Well, what did you do? Yeah. So I worked with a team one time, it was a management team and the leader reached out because she knew that the team was struggling and she wasn't sure really what to do. And she knew she needed some outside help just to kind of help with the process. And so in essence, and this is a common challenge, she had been promoted from within and there was some tension in the team because mm. she's not managing someone who else had also applied for the position. This is a really common challenge, isn't it? Yeah. And so there were a lot of like hurt feelings and misunderstandings. And over time, what had happened is this team had just 
quit meeting, kind of quit connecting. They were all just in their own lane, doing their own work because the tensions were so high and the leader wasn't sure how to make it work. In this team, in addition to the Better Teams assessment, I also did an interview with each of the people on the team ahead of time. And they would say things like, you know, we're not even really a team. Like we aren't a team. We're just kind of all individual contributors. What also came out though, which was gave me a lot of hope for them was how much they wanted to be a team and they wanted it to change. They just needed some help getting there. And so they took the assessment and we debriefed it and kind of took our sweet time with it and really got into it and let some of those elephants in the room come out, you know, some of those issues and hurt feelings came out and people shared and listened. And at the end of the day, they all agreed that they really wanted a better team and they wanted to build relationships and rebuild the trust that had been so broken And they identified some very specific action steps to get them there. And one was, the simplest one was, let's get back to meeting on a regular basis. I mean, how simple is that, right? That was an easy one. And they were several of the team members were extremely elated just because, oh my gosh, we're actually going to get to meet again as a team. I love what you just shared because it already demonstrated how these different five areas overlap. You were talking about happiness, and yet underneath that was also a trust issue. Yeah. And that's how I love the power of the instrument in that kind of way. And the depth it goes into, 15 underlying characteristics for each one. So kudos to the brain power of that one. And I think your example also shows it is a focus point so you can get to the elephants in the room. Absolutely. So what's not working? (laughs) Right. Because people often are afraid to say it or won't say it, but they'll write it and they can put it down or you can look for themes. And then, right. And then that as the facilitator coming in or a coach coming in, you have a chance to like dig in. I'm trying to remember on a session recently I did, I can't remember the exact words, but something was said and you could tell there was more to it and it could have easily been, you know, they would have probably just skated right past it and ignored it. And I was able to pause and go, so what I just heard, I'm wondering if there's more there. And it turned out there was a whole lot more there, but it got started because of a question or a comment in the assessments. Yes. To it. That's beautiful. I wanted to ask, as you approach different companies and you say, yeah, this is my assessment. They go, oh, your assessment. So one of the things in your assessment is happiness. Really? Like, How would you sell an executive on the fact that we really should be talking about happiness at work? It's interesting you say that, Mitch. Most people's reaction is, I love that you have happiness and they get it. But I have had one person really react negatively and go, I couldn't take this to CEOs. And they decided they could use the word well-being, but not the word happy. If you look out though, if you look at research right now, happiness is, I mean, there's a lot of research about happiness, right? Happiness leads to engagement, leads to retention. So to me, it all ties into if your team isn't, you're going to lose them and or not get the best work from them. That's great. Yeah. Well, what would you like to call it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well-being. So I had one, one particular person. I like the word well-being. I can live with well-being. Again, that's the power of your underlying characteristics. Because once you mention the characteristics, they'll go, well, yes, of course, those are good measures for us. Okay, then what do you want to call it? 
But no, keep happiness. Keep happiness. I love that. I do too. And I think most people really do resonate with it in this day when a lot of people maybe aren't feeling as happy as they want to. So the idea of being happy on the team sounds like a good thing. I like that. Going as a gift to something that you give a lot to folks if they go to your website and it's tools, right? And I always say to people growing in the field, you know, you got to increase your bag of tools and reach into what's just the right one. And what I focused on is you talk about five types of activities that a leader should make sure is a part of any team retreat. And whether that retreat is virtual, as you said, you're going to break it up, you know, over a matter of weeks, or, you know, it's that one of four times a year where they're going to be coming together. And these are connection activities, celebration activities, collaboration activities, chill activities, and clarification of next steps activities. Give me an example of like connection. You want, you need a connection activity. What's your favorite? Oh, favorite's hard. I have a lot. But here's one. And Jenny and Mitch, would you like to play along with me? Absolutely. Okay. And so typically I would ask someone or give them this ahead of time just for those people who need a little bit more time to process, but you guys are on the go here. And so this one is called Inspiring Heroes. And so we would say prior to the meeting, bring a picture with you of one of your heroes. And it can be a real person, a fictional person, someone who's alive or dead, someone who's famous or in your personal life. There's no distinction here. It's someone though that you greatly admire. So bring a picture of that person. And then in the session, and I'll ask you all to do this if you will, you know, share like who is one of your heroes and what is it about them that you admire? All right. One that came to mind is Martha Graham, who is a famous dancer who started modern dance. And my early days was dancing. I was at Juilliard. I did a lot of different stuff. And she was avant-garde, both in terms of the type of dancing and the costumes she would wear, and because it caused incredible reflection in the type of dance. And I thought it was incredible how she made it so distinctive, where if you saw some dancers, you could immediately tell whether they were Martha Graham trained or not. Wow! So she's the person that came to mind for me. For for me, it's always go to Theodore Herzl, who in like the late 1800s decided, oh, we're going to, we're going to start this place in Palestine and call it Israel and all the Jews are going to go live there. And it was, it was crazy to think about that. And it was basically 50 years after his death that the state of Israel was established. And so that's my hero, just because of his vision and foresight and going against the grain of what everyone else thought. Awesome. And so if a bunch of people had shared, then a, a great follow-up question would be, so what are some of the common characteristics that we just heard in our heroes? What do you think people might say? Like, what would be common things or characteristics? Like, for example, they have a lot of strength. Or what else might you think, Ginny and Mitch, that they might say? Courage. Yeah, courage. Yeah, courage to be different. Yeah, courage to be different. Vision and uh, never taking no for an answer. Things like that. Yeah. So you have this whole conversation and it might end with that. It might just be kind of, you're doing this as an icebreaker just to get to know each other, but you're learning about people too. Or you might take it even a step further and say, so how do you make an effort to implement some of these behaviors? What's an example of a way that this person has inspired you to do or try something? And you could take it to another level. Like All of my exercises that are out there, the free ones that are on the blog, they're all really simple 
little ones like this that you can implement in 10 minutes at the beginning of a meeting, or you could use it to launch a deeper discussion or transition into something deeper. So yeah, there, that's just one of the ones that I think is kind of a really powerful one that's interesting and also a great way to learn about what really matters to the people on your team. Yeah. And again, I know that on your website and if people read some of your blogs, you go into some great examples for each one of those connections, celebration, collaboration. And of course, that real important one, what are our next steps? I just loved how you codified that so well. Yeah. I'm looking on your website and it makes my life pretty easy because everything is right there. And I just see it's called better-teams.com. Really easy to remember. And the activities are great because I know so many teams, which it's, okay, it's Monday, let's do something. And they can go straight to your blog site. But I'm on your website and I just need to know more about Clark the pig. Could you tell us more about Clark the pig? One of the things that I love to do when I'm not working is I volunteer just up the road from where I live. There's an animal sanctuary for farm animals. And we've got horses, donkeys, goats, pigs, cats. And I volunteer usually three times a week and feed the animals. And I'm there for open house. And it is my happy place. And Clark is one of our three pigs. And he's a little bit of a biter. He's the biter one. You got to watch him, Mitch. But he's sweet. He'll let you rub his belly. And anyway, that's Clark the pig. I love it. That's great. And there's a Clark the pig in every team. <laughs> there, there can be. They can be really sweet. And then right. they can also, if you're not careful or they're not in the right way, yeah. they can bite you. My last question is, you wrote a blog on leading your team by extending grace. Mm. Could you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think at the time that I wrote that, I was inspired by the fact that I think I had to ask for grace a lot that week. It was one of those weeks where, you know, it's like, I just had to keep going. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the grace to people. And it just made me realize, and I think I extended it as well, but I think I was inspired by my own need for it. And I started looking up like, what is grace? You know, where did the word grace come from? And it actually like originated from the concept of, it's kind of morbid, but to originally meant to end a mortally wounded and suffering combatant out of their misery with a quick and fatal wound so that they wouldn't suffer. And that was called grace. And then I think it's evolved though. I think in more modern day, we would say grace is about forgiveness, right? Like really forgiving, even when it may not totally be deserved, just forgiveness. And I think that's such an important part of relationships and being on teams because we're all human and we all make errors and mistakes. And when we can work through that and give each other grace, we can build trust and have better empathy. That's perfect. So how can we find you? How can all these listeners hearing this and they want to get their juices going on great tips on teams? They can find me at my website, which is www.better-teams.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Leanne Rogers, or you can also search Better Teams on LinkedIn and link in with me. I love to do that and connect to people. Great. Well, thank you, Leanne. This has been really delightful. Um, yeah, fun. Really good focus on happiness and how to engage our teams and how to make building our teams, developing our teams and supporting our teams one of the most important things that you can do. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you, Jenny, for co-hosting. And I want to thank our listeners. If you've loved this episode, which we have, please share it with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. And we'll see you at the next episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.